Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. My name is Garrett Elliott, and I'm joined by Pastor Brett and Caitlin Elliott. We're going to talk about week three of our series, Let's Be Honest. Now, Pastor Brett wrapped up that series this weekend, so he's going to kick off a new one on Saturday night called The Church is Essential. Go to springhills.org or download the free Spring Hills app to find out when and where you can watch those services live or on demand from the comfort of your own home. So let's go ahead and head on over to the green room with Pastor Brett and Caitlin Elliott to talk about week three of our series, Let's Be Honest. Hey, welcome everybody. We are all done with our series, Let's Be Honest. So tonight, uh, we've got Pastor Brett in here to chat about it a little bit. We're going to talk about the series. We'll get him to do a little uh, teaser for the next series and where he's going to go uh, with his teaching in the next few weeks. And then also, Caitlin Elliott is with us as well. We're going to talk through week three of Let's Be Honest. And, uh, you know, Brett, I really did enjoy this. I, I always enjoy your sermons. You do a really good job. We we give you lots of compliments here. I'm sure you appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Psalm, Psalm 118.5, you talked about being distressed and how uh, David was writing this psalm. Uh, being he was distressed. Uh, I wanted to jump in right away to the elevator experience because the elevator experience you mentioned, being in an elevator, you might look up and see what floor you're on, but it's pretty just uncomfortable. Well, we don't like narrow places, right. you know, and the idea of David being in distress, you could say the Hebrew word, it has the idea of being in a narrow place without a lot of options. And so the elevator is a great illustration because I hate being in a crowded elevator. Nobody likes it. I hate it too. You yeah. just want to get out. Tight spots. And then uh, the picture of being having the doors open and a broad, large lobby. It made me think of uh, of the fresh air that you feel. You know when you're yes. in a tight space for a while. In the elevator, you're not in there for very long typically. Um, but you know, Garrett Ward and I the other day we were in some costumes for the Adventure Week stuff, and uh, we're outside. It's hot, and in the costume, there's no fresh air. Um, and so we're in those costumes for about 40 minutes. And it, it, when you're talking about this elevator experience, I remember when I finally got to unzip the the mask and the fresh air just came rushing in. I'm like, oh, this feels so good. And then like, that's the exact, that's what I started thinking about when you talked about the elevator experience. But So if you think about it, you know, for our listeners, I mean, what is it that is making you feel like you have no options? Right. You know, is it, and that's the idea of distress or narrowness. Um if you feel like you're really tight financially and you don't have a lot of room and there's emotion attached to that, uh, that's distress. If you are not sure what your future is going to be, you know, for your job or for your life or whatever, and you don't have a lot of options, it's like no way out. That creates distress. And when you're in distress, you can be desperate. You know, mm -hmm. you're like, what am I going to do? And God is the one who moves you into an open space which is another metaphor for God brings you into a place of peace, of rest, fresh air, if you will, and uh, he opens your life up. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a beautiful picture when David says, from distress to an open place, yeah. and God's the one who did it. Yeah. I think, too, that the, the narrowness of that situation, it is producing something, you know, that is intentional, that God is allowing that tension and that pain to happen so that you can, he can open that door to that broad place. And then you, you come to, to know him more or, you know, that is so true. I mean, how many times do we want to get out of distress, but not the way God is going to take us through it. And we just mm -hmm. want to escape. We uh, panic. Some, we panic. Some people are in danger of just escaping right through drinking too much or, you know, 
spending too much time just watching movies or whatever, just tuning out. Mm -hmm. And God's wanting us to really seek him, not some alternative uh, thing that's not even healthy for us. Uh, to bring us out of our own stress, but yeah. he's teaching us. Right. I feel like that uh, being backed into a corner is kind of that, that feeling where you're like, you're out of options and uh, just running out of options and then just panicking and making a decision that uh, ultimately isn't going to be doing you any good to get you out of the situation. Yeah. And David's in a cave, you know, I mean, that's, that's what the, uh, it says about the Psalm in the beginning of the Psalm is that David is in a cave. Now, whether he's writing it from the cave, some, commentator suggested he's actually writing this in the cave. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but I, it may be after he got out, you know, or, um, but the description is being hunted down by Saul, mm -hmm. being locked in a cave, a dark place, running for your life. And, uh, and it's literally running for your life because Saul's trying to kill him. And David had run from Saul for up to eight years, nine years. I mean, somebody trying to kill you, Can you for eight that? years. I can't imagine going all over the place, trying to hide from him, and, and even even having the opportunity uh, that you said earlier in the series to to kill Saul and not taking that opportunity. Well, and he had an opportunity here, too. Yeah. 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 And he didn't take it. And well, that's, that's to your point, uh, Caitlin, is like God was teaching David because here's Saul in the, that comes into the cave to uncover his feet or to cover his feet, excuse me, the Hebrew, cover his feet, which I think he's taking a nap. Right. right? Other commentators suggest he's going to the restroom or something. <laughs> but I think he goes in because... How does, how does covering his feet translate to that? What's the, the Why is that even a theory? Yeah, I don't know. I Maybe mean, bending you, down If you cover your feet, you know, with you're, your trousers. You're, you're letting your trousers <laughs> down, I guess. But uh, I, I think you... They went into those caves for... It was cool. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool in the cave. So here I am. I need another exhausted take a rest. And David could have killed... Saul, but he didn't. He chose yeah. to trust God and sort of pass the test that you're talking about. Yeah. And well, and something too, I, I really appreciate about the fullness of David's story for us in the scriptures is that there's two times where David is running from caves to caves. And it's one time when he's young and he's learning and he's about to rule as king over Israel. And then there's another time when he's running from his son, Absalom. And there is for us a contrast in the scriptures about the the stillness and the peace that he had from all those previous years. He had learned some things about those other years and um, the Psalms that come from that. And so just as someone who's younger, who has gone through some of those caves jumping experiences in my own personal life, is there anything that from someone who's, you know, in their, you know, fifties, that. <laughs> oh, that's a nice compliment. Yes. yes. That, she's, know, being, she's being so right, careful. Right. Is, is there anything that you can, we can sidestep so we don't have to, I mean, what's the first thing that you should be doing when you are in a tight, narrow space? That's a great question. I, I think reading the Psalms is really helpful. I think reading the life of David, I think reading the life of Moses, uh, any truth you can get into your head about cave experiences is is really helpful just that they do happen they've happened they happened to david they've happened throughout the years to great christians it'll happen to you it's not a shock it's not a surprise sometimes as a maybe as a young christian we go through things and we go this shouldn't be happening because i'm a christian and my pastor said that i could i would have an abundant life and so why am i depressed why do i feel why am i not doing this the right way <laughs> yeah am i and that's yeah, what, what am i could. doing wrong what am i doing wrong and uh, rather than i think i think you get and i'm in my 60s but you get experience <laughs> in life and you're not 
you're just not surprised by another <laughs> experience like that. It's part of it. It's yeah. just part of our lives. The hope is that God will use it. Our current COVID-19 thing is driving me crazy, sure. but it's, you know, it's like, have I learned anything about God's ability to take us through things? Sometimes I'm like, no, I haven't. I've forgotten everything, <laughs> but he will again take us through this and show us his faithfulness and his glory. Yeah. Time and time again, we see God work great things out of things that um, the enemy is trying to use for evil. And I don't know why I do that now. I'm not in my 60s, but I still, the you know, I'm 33 now. So like I've had, um, and we've even in the last few years as a community been through, you know, the fires that actually hit Santa Rosa, the ones that it caused us to evacuate last year. And now this uh, is kind of, is affecting everybody. Um, but just like time and time again, where I just, I let it, I let it take me down. And like, I feel in this tight space and it's not the first, the first thing I do is not out of my distress. I don't call on the Lord. Um, and I wish I would, because I've seen him time and time again, bring us out of it and do amazing things out of, uh, you know, the stressful situations. To, to bring a point to something that Brett had said in a previous sermon about, uh, God's disciplining. And you mentioned a time in high school where you were doing a million different things. And it just really spoke to me because you, you went to your pastor and you're just like I'm having a hard time. And he, he did not give you the right answer yeah. that you needed during that time. And someone else came alongside you and said, God's disciplining you. And, you know, kind of gave, you know, you need boundaries, you need to limit yourself and this and this, and uh, just what to do after you're in those cave type moments where you feel shocked or narrow type spaces. It reminded me of Hebrews 12, 12, where it says, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees because it has a tendency to leave us, you know, weak. And it's like, what did I do something wrong? And it's after that disciplining, retraining, training time. And um, just even that word, having it um, mean something different, like than what maybe d what discipline has meant. Yeah. For I think God has to give you wisdom for the experience that you're in right now. So people listening you know, I, we don't know what they're going through. Some may be depressed. Some may have a lot of anxiety. Um, some may be experiencing a lot of fear. Some may feel really defeated by the choices they're making. Some may be just exhausted, overwhelmed. So it takes a little wisdom to know why you may be in the situation that you're in. You know, it really does. In some cases, it is, as you mentioned, God's discipline um, which is, and he, you know, he's, he's working in ways that we usually see in hindsight, in hindsight, it's hard to figure it all out in the middle of it. But if he is, in, if you're in a posture of discipline by, by God, it's a good thing. It's right, not a bad right. thing. We think of discipline as a bad thing all the time. It's corrective. You know, it's not punitive. He's not punishing you. He loves you. It's like the picture of the vineyard, you, the vineyard owner, prunes the fruit. Well, if you're the vine and you get a, you know, one of your branches lopped off, it's like, oh, you know, um, and you don't want that to happen, but the good vineyard owner knows where to cut. And then there's more fruit and God does the same thing in our life. He's far more gentle in my experience than he is severe, right. you know, but uh, yeah, the anxiety, I had an experience in high school where I went through a lot of anxiety. It can still kind of perk up, not, not a lot, but it was acute anxiety in high school. And my pastor told me, man, and I was doubting God's goodness. That's, that was the big spiritual issue. I was like, how can God be good? And I'm going through this horrible 
experience. And his, his advice was, well, you better get your life together because Jesus might come tonight. And you're not, you know, you're not ready. Oh my goodness. You're not ready to meet him, you know, and yeah, all yeah. that, which did nothing for me, you know, creased my anxiety. Yeah. But a girl uh, from the youth group read uh, Hebrews 12, 10. I don't know if you have your Bible open to Hebrews 12, 10. The discipline, yeah. Yeah, read 12, 10. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. There it is. God disciplined us for our good. That's what really hit me, that we might share in his holiness. It was like, okay, God's allowing me to go through this for good. And then, of course, I've seen it in the boundary, learning to, to um, establish some boundaries. And and if I if I sense that the little anxiety is coming on, I generally know why and how to deal with it and, and a host of other things. But to yeah. your point, sometimes your, your cave might be the loving hand of God in your life. Yeah. You uh you start you mentioned um a story about a guy you talked to after the Tubbs fire, um and you had talked about uh I think I think I'm trying I'm trying to make sure I got this in the right order here but you said sometimes people outside the faith will say poor Christian such a small simple life <laughs> simple boring life um it reminded me a few years ago Kiki actually was was teaching and uh, she talked about her weight loss program. And how during the holidays, she'd have people eating the dessert and be like, oh, Kiki, I'm so sorry that you can't have this. And she used this as the analogy of like, you don't need to be sorry for me. I'm free from that bondage now of feeling like I need to have that. She talked to her her perspective was the opposite of, oh, yeah, you don't need to be sorry for me. When you're all feeling sorry for me, I'm free from that now. I don't feel like I have to enjoy uh, or I don't have to eat that to enjoy what we're having here and what we're doing. Um, but yeah, it just reminded me of uh, changing the perspective and having uh, having the right perspective on what God's doing in your life and the discipline that she has here that she's talking about in that story. It's the same um, discipline that like I've noticed in in you know my athletics throughout the time. Like if you're being disciplined by a coach, it's like you're disciplined in a way that's going to make you stronger and a better player and, they love and a better team and they you. care about you and they're right. doing it in a way that's going to help improve you. Um, and so, yeah, God disciplining, it's going to sharpen you. It's going to, um, it's going to ready you for another, I mean, I mean, I, I honestly pray that we don't have to do this again, the shelter in place. Um, (laughs) but you know, after tubs fire, we didn't think we'd have to evacuate again and we evacuated again. Um, but things like that, God's (laughs) always in control, but yeah, uh, the discipline of being got that God's giving us to sharpen us, to get us ready for the next thing. Yeah, well, the, what we're what I was talking about the small life versus the big life, um, and sometimes non Christians say of Christians, you have a you have a small life, you have a very confined life. I'm sorry, you, know, you don't get to enjoy. This. You don't get to enjoy things. You 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 have a sort of a moral code that you follow, and you have to believe certain Your things. Your list of rules. So the non Christian thinks of himself as being free mm-hmm. in a broad place. Mm-hmm. I can do. I can go where I want to go. I can believe what I want to believe. I can you know, have fun and you poor Christians. It's so boring, small. What a deception, man. That's, I mean, the enemy deceiving people in that way to make it, I mean. Unattractive. It's crazy. It's so, yeah. But you just think about, okay, the Christian has a big life. Yeah. It's just the opposite. I mean, you have a relationship with the eternal God. You have God. a purpose. You have a purpose for your life. Given your to, life you, given to you by the Creator. This. When you face you death, know. it opens up into eternity. Mm-hmm. You're, you're part of the grand plan of God. The, the person that you know, doesn't know Christ, their life is small because all they have is this life 
their own desires, um, and at death they're scared. Their their bodies are you know losing vigor, and it, it ends up in a sad, hopeless state. Mm-hmm. And that was the illustration of the guy that lost everything, and then said to me, "Yeah, he had all the trophies and, and that the was trophies his and accolades. It was his. That's all he had. That's all he had. And so when he lost it, he said, I 'I don't know who I am anymore.' Yeah. Well, that's not all the Christian has. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit being used by God. We were raised to life. Raised <laughs> to life, a future, a purpose. So so that idea that believers have a small life and that unbelievers have a big life, it's just the opposite. Yeah. I think it's a, a big testament, too, of God's brilliance and power and just ability to, like, even in the— the way our world is that he can have people that are following him have so much joy in the midst of so much struggle and circumstances. Like that's a testament of this is the fullness of who this, you know, person is that we're following, you know, the God of the universe, look at what he can do in prison cells through Paul. Like, yes. you know, like that, that's who God is. in a lion's den through Daniel. Right. Yeah. And Paul or, or David in a, in a, in a uh, cave, in a cave and in saying, God be exalted throughout the earth. That's to me, that's a great example of a big life. God, I trust you in this crazy situation here to work and to do things beyond what I can even imagine. The small life would be a life dependent on happenings, circumstances. If things go well, I'm happy. If they don't, I'm angry, yeah. frustrated. You're in complete control, and it's, yes. you're not in control. You're Even though the deception is that you are in control. Right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're totally bound by the limitations that life brings them. Yeah. I, I wrote down three things just because I feel like I have to think and, like, like organize, like, okay, what are three things about like following God? It unfolds who are meant to be, unfetters us from our chains, the sins holds us, and then and it actually unveils the beauty and love of who God really is. Unfolds, unfetters, and unveils. Ooh, I can use that for yeah, my sermon. Go ahead. I like yeah, that. That's good. But it's like this is this is what the life of God actually is freeing you. Unfolds, unfetters, and unveils. That's a broad place. Yeah, all of that stuff right. is a broad place. I mean, to become all that you've been made to be in the beauty of that, to behold the one who created the universe, to know him, man, that's, that's not boring. Not mm-hmm. at all. No, <laughs> you, uh, I, I always do this. I hate that I do this, but it's what, you know, sports analogies, but talking about that to being created with a purpose, um, because when you're, when you're on a team and the coach draws us, draws up a play for you, um, or just draws up a play and the guys that are on, let's say on the court, if you're playing basketball, they all have their role, they all have their place. And when they're drawn up the play, you see what your role is in that. And you feel that purpose and you feel that importance. Um, and just being the, it, making it uh, a sports analogy for me is always so impactful because I'm like, man, that is a good feeling when the coach draws the play up and he's like, Hey Garrett, you're right this here. Is what you this is what do. you're doing. Here's your purpose. And I'm like, right. I'm on it, man. Yeah. You got me ready for this moment. And this is what I'm gonna do. Even if it's just setting a pick for and somebody. I don't want to let you down. Not going to let you down. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, to back that up, that's, I was writing some notes about like our trusting in God's authority and power versus man's and Ephesians two ten that God has prepared in advance good works for us to do. And it's that purposeful intentionality with his children that as soon as we come to him, he's just, he's already got it lined up in advance. People we're going to talk to, what lives we're going to influence, you know, who we're going to become. And it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. But, and I, that, that's so, that's great. That verse is so good because in Ephesians 2.10, because it follows Ephesians 2.8 and 9, 
For by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God that no one should boast. So the good works that we move into are the results of being saved by grace. It's the, it's, you know, I think when people view Christians as having a small life, they think they're trying to earn their salvation. They're trying to be good people with a limited, you know, array of options so that they don't blow it and all that. But it's just the opposite. You're saved by grace. The gospel is the gift of God for salvation. And then, hey, having been freed from sin and condemnation, God's got some exciting things for you to do. Yeah. Co-laborers with him, which is an amazing idea also. Yeah. Well, hey, um, we are running out of time here, but Pastor, uh, I wanted to have you maybe give us a little teaser of where we're going in this next series. Yeah, so we're going to start uh, this coming weekend doing uh, a series on The Church is Essential. And I have to admit that, uh, you know, some of my frustration at uh, at our local officials and governor recognizing that, you know, the church is like the last thing to open up before nail salons, I guess, uh, Right. Uh, so, you know, and I, I shouldn't expect the world to acknowledge that the church is essential. The world is not going to acknowledge that. They don't get it. They really don't. It's, you know, it gets back to our stereotype that the Christian life is a narrow, small life. Yeah. So I'm more encouraging our people with this, that that this is what the church is about. This is what the church does. Uh, this is why we need to be together. So I, I, when I originally came up with the idea, I think I was mad at the governor or something, and uh, or mad at the classification of the church. But then the more I think about it, is they, you know, I don't expect them to see the church as essential. It's not. It's not essential in their life, right? Right. So, but for us as believers, I think it'll be a celebrative, encouraging time of how important our meaning together and yeah. why we meet together. I want them to, I want them to grasp the why, why go to church at all? You know, why not just stay home and pick and choose online yeah, past, man. pastors that you like? You yeah. Know? So I want to get at that. And I think it'll be really encouraging for everybody. That's I can't goal. wait for, I mean, the, the first time that we get to be back together where there's no restrictions or anything and we can be in our auditorium here. Yes. And, and uh, we were singing a song this last uh, Sunday we're recording for the next weekend and I came in here an hour before the band did and just turned the music on. And I was just in there by myself, no one else on campus. And I got really sad for a minute, just kind of like, this is just what it's two months now of these chairs, looking at all these empty chairs. And I'm sure you feel it too when you're preaching um, oh, to the yeah. cameras. And um, it would just had me for a minute. I'm just like, man, this is why am I putting this into a walls though? Like, why am I putting God in these walls? Like God's so much bigger than this. And it got me, I mean, it's so exciting. I love to sing and, and play music, and um, I'm very grateful that I get to do that. But it just gave me a whole nother like, excitement to be singing with this purpose of like a God that can't be confined by these four walls and these empty chairs. He's not, he's not stopping here because we can't meet. Uh, at the same time, I, told, I miss our people, man. I miss having people yeah, here. I miss too. the community. Um, that's very genuinely like I'm, it makes me very sad. But I'm also, you know, we have hope in Christ, and we have yeah. hope that And God's, hopefully we're going to be— um, Hearing some good news here. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's starting to open up, yeah. you know, fast. It's not fast enough for me. We want to be safe. Right. You know, of course we want to be safe. Uh, but um, things are starting to open up. And so we're praying for wisdom on when. 
and, and how hope, to do it. I hope it. it's going to be sooner than later. Right. Well, hey, thank you, Pastor Brett, for being here, and Caitlin for coming down. I appreciate it. And uh, for all of you Spring Hills team members, don't forget, tomorrow night is uh, actually by the time you hear this, it'll be tonight. So Wednesday uh, this week, we have the team party drive through. So come on by, say hi. We are excited to see you all, just like we were saying. We miss you so much. We want to see you. Come get an ice cream. I think they're handing out some From ice six cream. From 6 to 8? 6 to 8, I believe it is. Check out uh, Garrett Ward will be sending out an email again, I'm sure, to remind you. So, All right, y'all. Uh, we will talk to you next week.